Hello and welcome once again to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. Today we're talking about funerals and they're not usually thought of as a topic for general conversation, but yet they occur eventually to all of us. So should we be prepared for that day and make it easier for friends and families if they know that arrangements have been made? Or should we just let it happen at the time? To talk to me today about funerals and how to go about sorting out what we would like for our own funeral, I have with me Mr Adrian Quain. He's the proprietor of Mian's Funerals in Newcastle and a member of the Funeral Directors Association of New South Wales. Adrian, thank you for coming in and talking to me. Yes, hello there. Are people becoming more aware of the benefits of pre-planning their funeral? Yes, they are. Pre-planning a funeral has come into being in the last uh, perhaps 15 years. Perhaps uh, one in or two in five funerals now being conducted have been prepaid. There are advantages. The advantages are cost-wise mainly, mm-hmm. and they are these, that the prepaid funeral is organised at today's cost, paid at today's cost, and then it is paid for forever. Those funds go into trust and uh, the interest is applied to the rising cost of the funeral. The fund guarantees to pay the funeral whenever it's wanted for at whatever cost it might be then. So it doesn't matter whether the funeral is in three weeks' time or in 30 years' time? That's doesn't still matter possible. at all. The, uh, the other advantage, of course, is a lot of people would prefer to do their housekeeping, as I call it, mm. as they get into their senior years, like to prearrange their funeral such that they relieve their family or loved ones of any, uh, any onus at the time to, uh, to make the funeral arrangements. Are people living longer these days? Uh, yes, they are. There are published figures uh, every year. Uh, currently, it's something like uh, ladies uh, to year 84, gentlemen to 80. Uh, the good news there is that that figure is uh, updated every year, and uh, for the last uh, 10 years, it's, it's been going up, I guess, as, as a result of uh, medical options and the like, but it does continue to increase. Does it really matter what sort of funeral we have or is there a set protocol which must be followed? It doesn't matter, but having said that, there are protocols that generally apply to uh, each religion. Uh, So they generally, if it's to be a church funeral, which I guess the majority are, uh, the protocol is usually usually that of the, the religion involved. So a funeral director would be aware of the different types of funeral they have as that's part of their job? oh yes and it's it's generally uh, looked after by the the clergy involved and, and certainly the funeral directors know the the protocol in each uh, denomination in days gone past there used to be a a sort of a ceremony where people were often buried on their own property rather than in a cemetery does this still happen uh, certainly that happened in the past, mainly where there weren't big cities like there are now and there weren't uh, perhaps the health regulations that there are now. Yes, that does happen here and there now and then on, on the bigger properties, but uh, it needs uh, council and, and health department uh, regulation to, mm. to get permission to do it. But as a rule, it doesn't happen. 
So you sort of come, apart from scattering ashes, you go along with the local arrangements of cemeteries and things? Oh, sure, the, the local arrangements of burial or cremation. Scattering of ashes is something that, that's done a fair bit now. Perhaps uh, 50% of ashes are uh, placed at, at the local crematorium. Perhaps the other 50 are taken to churches or favourite places like bowling greens or uh, seaside resorts or wherever somebody might have enjoyed themselves. If you're going to have your ashes scattered, is there somebody you have to notify or can it just happen? Look, ashes are accountable until such time as they get into the hands of the family. Theoretically, to uh, put ashes in a park, one should uh, have permission. Uh, it, I've never known it to happen. Uh, it's simply the scattering of inert matter and uh, I'm not aware that uh, permissions are granted, uh, but perhaps uh, they should be uh, in certain public places. So... If they want to go out to sea, just take them to the beach and toss them off? Yeah, um, uh, throw, the, throw them yeah. into the sea, basically, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you don't have to let anybody know no. where, they, where they are. That's true. Where did the, the idea start of taking ashes and, and scattering them? Do we know? No, we don't. Uh, crem- cremations in Australia only started in the 1930s, so um, the, the habits of people are just starting to form. Generally speaking, in early days, all ashes were left in place in a wall at a crematorium. Nowadays, uh, the churches are building those walls. A lot of them go to the churches, and then uh, a lot of people now fancy taking them to a favourite place. Mm. Now, I know of a, a couple of instances where somebody wanted their ashes put in a grave, say with a, a granny or a, a parent or something, mm. Do they have to get permission from the Yes, crematorium? they do. They get permission from the council or uh, whomever might be operating the cemetery. Mm. Usually a fee applies. Uh, the, the placement of the ashes has to be registered uh, by the cemetery and consequent authority. So, yes, permission is needed. But there's no problem. It's done all the time. If someone decides they're going to pre-plan their, their funeral and, for example, they decide they want to be buried and they make all those arrangements. And then as time goes on, they decide that, no, I don't want to be buried, I want to be cremated. How do they go about changing the arrangements that they've already made at the funeral directors? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has the right to change their mind and have what they want. If they care to change their mind, which happens now and then, they see the funeral director and all the paperwork is rearranged. If, there's, if in case of a prepayment, any costs one way or the other are rearranged, not a problem, it can be done. It can be done. How do you go about pre-planning a funeral? Uh, normally you would approach your funeral director. He would lead you through the, the process of all the options that might or might not be wanted. He would then uh, introduce a, uh, a prepaid fund, uh, which funds are all uh, run under the auspices of the state government in New South Wales Funeral Funds Act of 1979. So it's very clear what can and can't be done and it's monitored very well and the funds uh, have to be put into a recognised, uh, approved uh, trust fund, uh, be it bank or otherwise, uh, and uh, uh, so it's all regulated by the government. Now, if someone has arranged for their funeral and for some reason a member of the family decide at the time of the funeral that they don't like those arrangements, and can they change them or do they have to go along with what the person wanted? Uh, generally speaking, a prepaid funeral arrangement is a contract and it, it has to be honoured. Uh, that situation, which would be a one-off, and, and I've never known it to happen, uh, would have to be looked at very, very carefully. 
Okay. Now, if somebody wanted to donate organs at the time of death, how does that sort of fit in with your funeral arrangements? How soon Mm. after death does the family need to let the medical people know or is that done by the funeral director? It's not done by the funeral director. It's done between the family and hospital and uh, obviously soon after death. Mm. All that is arranged uh, before ever the funeral director gets involved. It's a matter between family and doctors and hospital and under the current health regulations, of course. So it's quite separate from actually organising the funeral? Yes, it's a separate issue altogether. It may be that somebody would uh, predetermine they want to have their organs disposed of in that fashion and uh, that then would be a matter for the family and the hospital at the time. Now, if someone has died this morning, how soon do the family let the funeral people know? Normally the family get the funeral director within a couple of hours, generally on the same day. Funeral is usually two or three days later. The topic for today's wellbeing is how to go about arranging your own funeral. And my guest today is Adrian Quain. Adrian, let's get down to the requirements of notification. Where do we go to get that information if the person dies at home? Uh, There's an obligation uh, uh, when anybody passes away, that the register of births, deaths and marriages be informed. Normally the funeral director would do that. He has uh, the appropriate forms with him. The purpose of this notification is to, one, to uh, advise the department that this person has passed away such that they can go through the records with the information given and make sure that they have identified the right person. Secondly, it triggers the issue of a formal death certificate from the department, which certificate is is needed uh, to tidy up anybody's estate. Now, if someone wants to prearrange their funeral, can they go to any funeral director and get the same information about the procedure, or does each company have slight differences in their arrangements? Normally, uh, they would go to a funeral director, Uh, The average funeral director is linked to a prepaid fund and he would uh, determine the information needed and pass it on uh, uh, to the the fund once the family had agreed. It may vary slightly from funeral director to funeral director and from fund to fund with each funeral director. Now, is there a set form for all of these for the people to go through? Um, I noticed that when I first contacted you, you sent me a, a booklet on the procedures. Does every funeral director have a similar type, if not identical? Is it set uh, out in the same way? Well, in my case, uh, my booklet is a, a prompter to, uh, to seek all the information needed uh, for a funeral or a prepaid funeral. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the funeral directors have some form or other that they would have... Uh, available to be filled in. Now, having read through your booklet, I see that one of the questions is about marriage and it asks about details of first marriage. Now, if someone's had more than than one wedding, your booklet starts off the first marriage. Now, is that the current one or is that the very first one? Uh, that, in fact, is the very first one. You'll see this provision there for marriages two, three and mm. four, for that matter. Uh, This information is needed uh, by the births, deaths and marriages people. They use it as an identification process, once again, to make sure that they are dealing with the correct person. If the name given at the first marriage is totally different, and of course it would be if it was a second marriage or third marriage, 
how do they get round that? How do they know which is the last one? Well, right. For each marriage, they also ask for previous name and or maiden name, so they're able to do a trace uh, right. throughout. Okay. Even if the person is born overseas? Yes, if the person's born overseas, uh, same procedure applies. Now, having sorted out the legal requirements, what's the next step about choosing a venue, whether it's where the funeral is going to take place? Okay, most people uh, know where they want their funeral and whether they want it to be burial or cremation. Uh, generally, people tend to identify by way of religion, and then uh, they they will either have uh, their funeral or the funeral at the church, their church or church of that religion, or perhaps they might have it at a chapel, at a crematorium, mm. or alternatively a chapel at a funeral home. Do they still do services at the graveside, and and if there's going to be a burial, obviously, rather than in a building? Every now and then there's a graveside service done, uh, probably uh, one in a hundred, to give you some idea, there's not many done that way, and that's usually uh, done by people who are are very uh, a-religious and uh, feel that they don't want to go to, uh, to a church or to any venue. If someone hasn't normally attended their church... Um, but Phil, would they like to have a, a service in the church? Is there any problem with clergy over that? No. Uh, most people uh, will uh, straight away declare their religion and uh, all the churches uh, in uh, this day and age make people very welcome. It might have been the case uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, mm. but now uh, the, uh, the church door is open to anyone who cares. Church's doors are open to anyone who cares to come along. Supposing the person had been living in a town other than where they were born but would like to go back, how much of a problem is that? Well, it becomes a matter of distance. Uh, it, it involves a transfer. Uh, normally that would uh, involve a, a funeral director in the town of origin and a transfer of the deceased remains from the place of death to that town. And usually the clergy in the hometown fit in with all those arrangements? Oh, yes. Would yeah. you need to notify them when you're making the arrangements for the funeral like, and the pre-planning? Oh, sure. Uh, absolutely. Uh, when all arrangements are made, uh, there's a lot of players uh, need to be put into place, one, of course, of which is the clergy. So normally that advice uh, has to be passed on and uh, clergy put in place along with uh, uh, times, uh, times uh, booking, say, at a crematorium or, or at a gravesite, for example. sake. What are the arrangements if you're going to have a non-denominational funeral in a crematorium? A non-denominational funeral would imply that uh, it would be led or celebrated by a celebrant and uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of those around and uh, we see um, uh, quite a few uh, funerals done this way. Does the, the celebrant have to be registered or can anyone sort of front up at the crematorium and say look you know these are the remains of and he has asked me to gather you all together for this time. Sure. Uh, celebrants yes do need to be registered but by the same token that doesn't stop anybody in a family for argument's mm -hmm. sake uh, conducting a funeral. Yeah. It's just as long as the the legal process has gone through prior to that. Yes if, if uh, somebody uh, proposes themselves as a celebrant mm -hmm. uh, they need to be registered. Okay, so often I've been to a funeral where they ask if anyone would like to stand up and say 
something nice or otherwise. Um, is this a common practice? Not so common, but it does happen that uh, uh, the the congregation, so to speak, mm. are asked if, if they care to have anything to say. Mm. doesn't happen very often. Okay. With the choice of, of a crematorium, usually there's only a couple at most in, in any one town. Is there a problem with booking a funeral in a, in a crem? No. The, the crematorium is generally run uh, on the hour for each chapel. Most of them have a couple of chapels. Mm. Uh, generally speaking, one can get uh, pretty close to the time required. So there's not necessarily a long time between death and, and cremation? No, not at all. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and today I'm talking to Adrian Quain from Meehan's Funerals in Newcastle. Adrian, we've loosely covered the legal side of a funeral. Let's get down to the next step and the deciding of music readings to be used in the service and I suppose that depends on where the service is going to be held. If it's in a church, is the music usually hymns or psalms, something that's religious or do they bring in, sometimes do they bring in other types of music? Usually in a church the the music is hymns and organ accompanied hymns uh, by the same token, there's becoming more and more a practice for for the favourite CD or track to be played, uh, they, so long as they're reasonable and not outlandish, um, they're generally accepted by most of the churches. And the, does the clergy have a final say in the music? Usually the, the procedural side of a funeral in a church is planned by the clergy with the family, so that, yes, the clergy does have certainly have some input into that. If it's held at a, a crematorium or in a funeral home, I suppose the options are a bit wider, aren't they? Perhaps a little little looser, but once again the family and the presider, be it the clergy or celebrant, get together prior to the funeral and go through the procedural side of things to see exactly what the family might want. I suppose from your point of view, you have your own sort of mechanism for handling the grief of families. Does this get difficult at times? It can do. A funeral director needs to learn the art of of switching off, so to speak, not being cold, but being able to handle the thing on a, on neutral ground, uh, so that that uh, he doesn't uh, get involved in the emotions of the funeral. And I guess there are times when the family sort of comes to rely on you simply to guide them through that time? Indeed. Uh, the, the funeral, nowadays, the funeral director is the first stop for the family. Mm. 30, 40 years ago, the clergy was the first stop. Now it, it seems to be the funeral director. Uh, many families uh, see the funeral director who then puts things into place and helps them along the road as, as their rock, so to speak, and they tend to hang on to the funeral director a little bit uh, uh, throughout the procedure, and that indeed is part of his duties. Mm. Flowers are usually given or sent at at a funeral, but supposing instead of having flowers, they request that um, there be no flowers but a donation made um, to a particular charity for hospice or children's hospital or a hospital or something like that. Who's responsible for gathering up the money at the end of the funeral and getting it to their place where it's intended. Sure. Firstly, uh, nowadays, uh, not many flowers are sent to funerals, as was the practice uh, years ago. There's mm. uh, a growing practice to uh, advertise uh, a funeral as, as 
asking for uh, donations to a particular charity. Uh, the funeral director gathers those, uh, gives them to the family at the church at the end of the service, and then the family proceeds to pass them to their charity. Right. And what about coffins? Is there much choice in the way of coffins? Sure. There's a great choice in uh, in coffins. Uh, on average, the, the lower-grade uh, coffins are selected. They're all nice. They all do the same job. Then uh, there's uh, caskets, coffins made out of all sorts of fancy timbers and styles. These might be more preferred for uh, uh, some of the ethnic people and people who indeed are being put into crypts. Uh, that's above ground burial plots. All oh, right. If you have a funeral where the the coffin goes into a crypt, would they need to be specifically lined before they're... Yes, they're uh, those, the remains need to be embalmed and uh, then put into a metal inner liner which mm. is put into the casket and I might just debunk a, a few old wives tales mm. here that uh, I'm often asked uh, is a casket uh, uh, cremated or reused uh, it's totally illegal to reuse a, a casket at a crematorium uh, they are cremated in their entirety with the exception of the nameplate which uh, follows the ashes through several procedures until they're given back to the family or the funeral director so in which case, I guess the, the cost of, of that particular casket would be um, at the bottom end of the range rather than, than the expensive one that might be buried? Yes, uh, the expensive ones uh, more tend to go toward burial. Mm. Uh, and uh, obviously the casket is cremated in its entirety, mm. so the, the, uh, the lesser caskets tend to be used for that. And I would also say that I'm often asked, uh, are the ashes I get back... Mother's ashes, or mm. just a spade full of ashes from the day. And once again, it's a it's a legal process, and it's up to the integrity of the um, crematoriums. They all do give you back the ashes that are that of your relative. Mm. That's beyond question. What about the handles on on the coffin? Do they take those off with the nameplate? Uh, the majority of the handles that go to a crematorium are plastic. They're uh, chromed plastic, uh, so that they will in fact uh, burn. And so they do. So uh, that would be 95% of handles that go to a crematorium. Uh, the rest, if there are any metal handles, they have to be removed and they are rubbished. And, of course, with a burial, um, the whole thing is, is left intact and, and down it goes. With a burial, the, the whole yeah. casket and fittings are intact. It must have a nameplate. Every casket must be identified. Every burial must be identified. So, yes, they are intact. Now, do many people ask to be buried with a particular keepsake or piece of jewellery or or do they are they usually collected by the family prior to the funeral? Perhaps uh, 50% of people uh, wouldn't... Uh, families would ask that, that uh, some keepsake or item be buried with the... or cremated mm. and, and with, with the deceased. Uh, with cremation, of course, it has to be something that is... Uh, uh, able to be burnt, uh, so no uh, uh, beer cans or aerosols or uh, some of those silly things that uh, that turn up every now and then. But it might come. Are you down... serious? Yes, I am. Yes, yes. Um, it might come down to a, a golf ball or a tennis racket or, mm. or um, a book or something that was uh, particular and dear to the deceased. Publication of the obituary in the in the local paper is that obligatory? Oh, certainly not. Uh, perhaps uh, we might just uh, split that question. Publication of a funeral notice uh, is usual, but certainly not obligatory. Uh, every now and then, 
obituaries as such that some columns about a person Mm. is written, certainly not obligatory once again. And the cost for those, is that paid by the family to the publisher or is that included within the an allowance made for that within the... No, allowance is made within the, the funeral arrangement and mm-hmm. account. The funeral director places and pays for the ad and passes the costs. What sort of cost could we expect for um, a funeral and then we'll go to cremation is, if there's a difference? How about for a starter for a funeral? Okay, as, as, as I experience it, a, uh, an average cremation with the usual inclusions of a paper notice and the like... Uh, would come up around about $4,600, including GST. Cremation definitely is cheaper than burial. Uh, burials would, would go on from that uh, perhaps up to in the five or $6,000 mark, depending on where the cemetery is, whether it's a lawn grave or a, a standard grave. Uh, the grave costs vary considerably. So is the actual plot is paid for at the time? Is it a separate cost from the service? The plot is is, uh, is purchased either at the time of the service or it may have been pre-purchased by the family. It may even have been pre-purchased by the family for another interment and it would then be reopened for the second interment. So sometimes they're, they're pre-bought by the family and pre-used by the family, and uh, uh, but normally they're bought at the time of the funeral. If it's going to be used by several or a couple, a husband and wife, for example, do they... Sextons make a, a special allowance and dig it a bit deeper. Yes, if if, uh, if it's to be reused, the request must be made for the first burial. Let it be dug deep enough to allow the second. Adrian, is there anything else that we need to know, or is beneficial for us to know about pre-planning? No, other than uh, I would say, and really not to do with a funeral, but I would advise everybody to have a will. It's 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 amazing uh, how many people don't have a will, and as I see it, that's about 50% of the population. Not that it has uh, anything uh, much to do with a funeral or anything at all to do with a funeral, but it does become obvious to me that, that people have uh, trouble right from the start organising estates when there is not a will in place. Adrian, thank you for coming in and talking to us and telling us, filling in a few of the details that perhaps we didn't know. My guest today has been Adrian Quayne. He's a proprietor of Mian's Funeral in Newcastle and a member of the Funeral Directors Association of New South Wales. Thank you for listening and until the next time we meet, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of all the team wishing you well.